This morning, we're going to continue in the series, This Is That, and um, really for the foreseeable future, probably up near Mother's Day or Memorial Day, we're going to stay in this series. And I know I'm getting a lot of emails and texts and um, direct messages about the series and questions and excitement. And um, people are watching from around the country and even outside of the country, and we're thankful for it. But I want to just continue to just remind you that this that we're seeing in the earth, in our culture, what all, the, the wars, pestilences, rumors of wars, pandemics, all of this that we're seeing is what was already prophesied in the Bible. And I want you to be aware of those things. Now, this morning we're going to talk about the, the falling away, the great falling away. Now, wouldn't it, isn't it ironic how God's sense of humor the timing on this, on Spring Forward Sunday, the coldest weekend we've had in 150 years, and I've been on the West Coast, and I was three hours behind, and took a red eye to get here, landed at 5.30 yesterday morning. My body, when my alarm clock went off this morning, my body said, what the heck are you doing to me? And so here we are to talk about the falling away. That was prophesied in the Bible. Um, prophecy, as I've reminded you every week, it's really important. You can't just throw it out because some prophets are weird, like John the Baptist. They dress weird. They have a weird diet. Prophets all often are like that. People who are gifted in the prophetic. They seem strange. You don't believe it? Read the book of Jeremiah who went naked for three years. And that was his sermon. How many know that's an illustrated sermon that you can live without? <laughs> but that's the truth. In prophecy, there's four ways to respond to it. Some people weren't aware that things were prophesied. So when it happens, just like Acts 2, it's like, that's weird. Those people look drunk. When a, when a prophecy is being fulfilled. Others, they heard it, they were aware of it, they just didn't believe or think it could ever happen. So they didn't receive it. When it happened, it caught them off guard. And then they were having to try to catch up. A lot of people spend their lives trying to catch up spiritually. Things they should have been prepared for. Storms that come and catch them off guard. Then the third group of people are people who heard the prophecies and believed it initially. And then... They had to wait so long, and they gave up hope. And the Bible is full of stories where people gave up hope. And then there's the fourth group of people that I pray that we are that group of people, that we hear the prophecy, we believe it, and we know, though it linger or tarry, it will come to pass. So that when it begins to happen, we are prepared to live in that day. And I sense the Holy Spirit in such a profound way throughout this series. I don't know when I've ever been more excited. Every time I come up here, it's like this, a glory spout comes down. And I feel like God is speaking through me. And it's, it's really, it's like an out-of-body experience. And I know that may sound weird, but get over it. God is, his ways are higher than your ways. And I just come up here and it's like I'm sitting down there with Candace, hearing God speak to us from his word. It's just precious, Lord, we love you. That he would be so gracious and kind and meaningful 
and thoughtful in this season to speak to us simply in easy to understand ways. That's what we need. Amen. How many of you believe the prophecies of the scripture? And you know you're hanging on them and you're going to take them to the bank because you can count on our Father. Hallelujah. So this morning, I want to talk to you about what was prophesied. In many places, it says, in the last days, there will be a great falling away. And there's a great delusion, delusionment. There's, there's a lot of things that are going to be troubling in the last days. But if we're prepared for them, they won't be troubling for us. We will not only survive them, but we will help other people survive them. So the great falling away. You and I both share this. It's, it, it's heartbreaking to see people walk away from their faith. And it, it just, it's heartbreaking to see high-profile spiritual leaders go astray, whether it's um, intellectual pride or moral failure. Nothing confuses our children more than when Christians choose to walk away and then sometimes become belligerent and hostile toward the faith. And we're seeing that right now. Um, we're seeing that in Nashville with many Christian artists. That's kind of the problem. We have Christian artists, which is an oxymoron. We should have Christian ministers, people who care for the body of Christ. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, Paul says this. And he's speaking about the last days. And he echoes what Jesus says first. And I just rem remind everyone, don't, don't miss this. The first thing that comes out of Paul's mouth is, let no one deceive you. When you come into that season that we're in, don't let anybody deceive you. No one, spiritual leaders, Christian artists, pastors, authors, don't let anyone deceive you. For that day will not come unless the falling away comes first. In the last five years, we've seen people like Josh Harris, who I bought the book, I Kiss Dating Goodbye, by the dozens. I traveled around the country promoting that book. I've read that book, helped my children understand those principles. Then he became a fruitful pastor who in 2019, not only did he walk away from his marriage, but he walked away from the Christian faith. It's really sad. And now we see terms like deconstruction, where it's trendy now for Christian kids or adults to deconstruct, to break down their faith. And I'm not saying that's altogether bad. Some of the things that we've inherited or were taught, we need to break them down, but break them down by the word of God. But this deconstruction that we're seeing is a whole nother thing. It's breeding a new form of spirituality in our, in our nation called ex-evangelicals. And that's what we're dealing with, people who are, have walked away from the faith. Now, falling away... Um, or leaving the Christian faith is not something new. Paul tells us about one of his ministry associates, Demas. Because of his love for the world, he departed from the faith. Jesus, even one of his disciples, Judas, walked away and did the unthinkable. It's hard to even go there and just even think what was going on in his heart and in his head. So this is not anything new, but the trend of people leaving the faith seems to be accelerating in our times. 
And when you take a look at the numbers, wow, it, it not only seems that way, it actually is that way. And that's why we're talking about in this series, because what we're seeing happening is what was prophesied. There are more than 72 million millennials in America, almost 25% of the population. An increasingly large percentage of that generation has walked away from faith of any kind, choosing to identify themselves as religious nuns. In 2008, researchers noted that the close that close to a third of the millennials, 31.9%, described themselves as religiously unaffiliated. Just 10 years later, that number was at 42.7%. And we see church membership in America is dropping like a lead balloon. It's suffered greatly in the past decade. Think about this. In 1937, church membership in our nation was at 73%. In 1937. And then in the early 1980s, it was still more than 70% in our nation. 2000, the year 2000, it was 65%. 2010, 59%. And in 2020, it was just below 50%. And now, with the pandemic and the way that's impacting us, we're seeing the numbers are dropping like crazy. And this is more than people leaving the church. It's more than declining denominationalism. It's more than declining church membership or attendance. It is people falling away from Jesus himself. And we know, those who walk in the Spirit, that we are right now in a subtle, very deceptive, slow fade that's happening to Christianity in this country. And we have what Elisa Childers calls another gospel where spiritual leaders are forfeiting, listen to me, core doctrines that make Christianity Christianity. Things like the divinity of Christ where many acknowledge the fact that Jesus was a great teacher. He lived a great life that was an example and it's worthy for us to follow or emulate. People are giving up the resurrection of Christ. You would be amazed in seminaries where professors in their high-minded intellectual pride are forfeiting the teaching and the faith in the supernatural miracles of God and the Bible. And that's troubling because Paul said, if Jesus wasn't resurrected from the dead, all that we're doing is worthless. How many of you are thankful that we are at a church that we believe the tomb is empty and Jesus was resurrected from the dead by the power of his spirit and that same spirit that did that is at work in you in your marriage and in your parenting and in your family and in your church and still alive in the world no matter what the cemetery say, I mean seminaries say about it. Now, um, I could say a lot right there. Those who can do, those who can't and would like to, teach. Moving right along. The biblical view of sexuality and marriage is another thing. Just widespread. Do I need to even talk about it? We're tired of talking about it. And then lastly, um, 
salvation through Christ alone. It's alarming that many church leaders reject the words of Jesus where he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And there's no other way to the Father except through the Son. And these core values, these core doctrines are being forfeited. So let's, let's talk in this environment, the, the 2022 culture that we live in. Why do people fall away? What happens? What's going on in their hearts, in their minds? We're seeing it everywhere. Why is it happening? What's the cause? I think there's a few causes. Some fall away because they are deceived. They believe things that are not true. And they don't believe things that are true. And they don't realize it. And they're deceived. And we live, as I talked about last week, everything's deception, you know. Um, it's just crazy. Every, everything. I mean, facts aren't facts anymore. Math isn't even math anymore. You know, it's just crazy. We live in an, this. This is why Jesus said the first thing. Be careful that no one misleads you. Paul says it. Just make sure you are not easily deceived. But this is why people fall away. And there are many deceivers in our day. But listen to me. The most dangerous ones are the ones who teach God's word. The most dangerous ones are the ones who espouse a faith that's not rooted in God's word or by his spirit. And that's very common, always has been. First Timothy chapter 4, Paul says this. Now the Holy Spirit tells us clearly that in the last time some will turn away from the true faith. They will follow deceptive spirits and teachings that come from demons. These people are hypocrites and liars, and their consciences are dead. Notice he said, they'll follow teachings that are deceptive and demonic in nature. And there, it won't look like there's a, a, a red devil with a pitchfork in the pulpit. It will not, it'll look like an angel of light a kind-hearted, sincere man or woman, but they will have doctrines of demons that mislead people. And, and that's a dangerous place. And Paul says to Timothy that that will happen. And the Holy Spirit tells us, he says, clearly. Now, according to the passage, unseen demonic forces are operating in our world. How many of you believe that and know that to be the truth? Um, in, they're enticing people to abandon their Christian faith. And their influence in the church is increasing and will continue to increase in the last days. So some fall away because they're deceived. Some fall away because they are disillusioned. Now look here. In Luke chapter 8, it's the same parable that I think was in Mark 4, where Jesus talks about the Word of God. It's the parable of the sower. Everybody remember that? And Jesus says... A farmer went out to sow seed. Please listen. He said the first seed he threw along the path. There was no sidewalk back then. But it, the, the path, the well-worn compacted dirt was like a sidewalk. Some of the seed landed there and it could not germinate. And so the birds came immediately and they take that seed and it never has an opportunity to germinate and do its job and be what it is. The second are the seeds that fall among the rocky soil. There's soil there and it can germinate, but it can't really get rooted because it's rocky soil. It's stony. 
It's not good or ideal for growing. That's the second person. The second seed, I should say. The third is where the seed falls in good soil and it grows. The problem is it, it's growing among weeds. And those weeds grow up and take the same nutrients and over time, those weeds overtake because they reproduce more quickly. And then the, the, the integrity of the seed loses its, its strength and integrity. And it's crowded out. And then the fourth, Jesus said, and listen, in Luke 8, he says, the fourth is the seed that falls on good soil. And, and he, the power of the seed is, he says, when the seed gets in a good heart, it produces a crop a hundred times over what was planted. How many of you are thankful for the power of the word? How many of you are thankful that he's prepared your heart and given you good soil and, you're, and the word is coming up in your life? Are you all out there this morning? And then as Jesus finished that, he's, the Bible says in Luke 8, I think it's verse 9, it's 8 or 9, after he tells that story, that simple story that I just retold to you, the Bible says he called out and he said, if you have ears, Listen to what I just said. If you've got two ears, one on each side of your head, pay attention to what I just said. And the disciples were like, what? And so they got him after he taught that publicly, and they said, we have ears. Help us to understand what you meant by what you just taught us. Some fall away because they are disillusioned. When Jesus began to explain this parable, notice that verse 12 teaches us the first reason people reject the gospel is that the, the seed that fell on the, the path. The devil comes and takes it away from their hearts and prevents them from believing and being saved. That's deception. Listen to me. Some people, the sermon, it's gone before they exit the parking lot. Some sit and their hearts are not soft and supple and they're Facebooking and Instagramming in the house of God and the seed can't germinate. And, and that's, that's deception. In the next verse, the second reason gets a little more complicated. And this is what we're talking about. And some people fall away because they're disillusioned. It's a bit more complicated. Jesus described those who hear the word, listen, and receive it with joy. They're enthusiastic about the life it brings and the potential. It resonates with them. Ecclesiastes 3.11, God put eternity in our hearts. What does that mean? That means we're wired to when we hear something that will help us live eternally, our hearts know it. There's a magnet that goes yes to that. And Jesus said, some people hear the word and they receive it with joy. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those, Jesus says, who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe it for a while. Then they fall away when they face temptation. They're genuinely excited, newfound Christian faith, but they're not rooted. These are people who are looking for a solution to their problems. 
not a savior. And we're living in a day that's requiring personal commitment to Christ. Listen to me. I'm preaching this with passion and sincerity this morning because I have a handful of people in the last 12 to 18 months who, who came to Christ in this room. One of them was a young man, bright young man, who went on the men's retreat, invited a friend of his from out of state to come, and he gave his life to Christ. And just a few weeks ago, I heard that he's opted out. And I saw it on his face. He loved the Lord. He, he loved this church, loved it. He would wait for an hour or more after service on Sundays to, to chat with me. And now he's gone. And he's, he's turned away. And he's not the only one. And oh, the enemy comes to, with temptation when we're not rooted and people fall away for that reason. How many of you know someone? That's happened to them. They just didn't get rooted. They didn't have enough time to get rooted in God's word. Um, lastly, some fall away because they are distracted. And Jesus covers this in that parable too. In chapter, in verse 14 he says, The seeds that fell among the thorns represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the Listen to me. The cares of this life. The riches of this life. And the pleasures of this life. But all too quickly. And so they never grow into maturity. And brothers and sisters, you and I are either in one of those three categories or we're in the fourth. And his word is producing fruit at an, at an astounding ROI, a hundred times what has been planted. So where do we go from here, Pastor Chuck? I, I think this morning, I want to suggest to you three things because I love you as your pastor and I'm aware of what's happening in our world. The first thing that I want everybody in this room to do this morning is I want you to examine yourself Examine yourself. 2 Corinthians 13 verse 5 in the Amplified Version says this. Examine and test and evaluate your own selves. Why? To see whether you are holding to your faith and showing the proper fruits of it. Test and prove yourselves. Do you not yourselves realize and know thoroughly by an ever-increasing experience. What's that referring to? So, that's a Christian who's growing through an ever-increasing experience that Jesus Christ is in you. The most important thing, my dear beloved brothers and sisters, that you can do this morning in response to this teaching is to make sure that you are a Christian. You're not a Christian just because you grow up in church. You're not a Christian just because your parents are Christians. You're not a Christian just because you have lived a good life. You're not a Christian just because you have served in the church and been charitable or hospitable with other people. On one hand this morning, I don't want you to have a false assurance of salvation because it's possible to sit and hear anointed teaching 
sincere, anointed preaching from God's word and fall away or never have a legitimate faith. Just ask Judas. But on the other hand, I don't want you to doubt the authenticity of your salvation either. Oh, please hear me. I feel like I'm talking to my children. If you're saved, I want you to know it and never doubt it. I don't want you to have fear that you've got to strive and be perfect to keep your salvation. In John chapter 10, Jesus, this is where he said, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life. And later he's talking to the Pharisees and he's like, I'll be quiet. My sheep, they know my voice. And I know their name. We're connected. I know them, they know me. They know I know them. And I know they know I know them. And they know me. In fact, all those the Father gave me, no one will ever be able to pluck them out of my hand. Hallelujah. Is that good or what? That's the kind of shepherd we have. So if you're, and I know how the enemy works on wounded people. He causes us to live in fear as orphans who don't belong to the table. And so on one hand this morning, I'm begging you, if you don't, most of you right now, if not all of you, you know, I'm a believer, Pastor Chuck. I may struggle. I'm not perfect, but I I have a real faith and I'm going to heaven. And I pray that that's everybody in this room. But the chances are that somebody here this morning isn't sure. And I want you, before you leave here this morning, to know you are sure. Because I don't want you to be one of the numbers that makes me start using now two hands of people I can count in our church family who have fallen away. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying this morning? So examine yourself. Hallelujah. Second thing you've got to learn to do so that you don't fall away is you have to learn to encourage yourself. Anybody ever talk to yourself? I played golf out at Pebble Beach this past week, and I was talking to myself, and some of the stuff I was saying to myself, I couldn't say to you about what I said to myself. Ramsey! you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. And we learned this discipline from King David, who came to a, listen, very disheartening, nightmarish season in his life after he received a word from God that he was going to be the next king. And he lived through a nightmarish season. He didn't have anybody cheering him on. And he had to rehearse the promises of God and talk himself out of suicidal discouragement. And he did. While running for his life, as Saul was trying to track him down and kill him, he had to encourage himself in the Lord. Somebody needs to hear what I'm saying this morning. 1 Samuel 30 verse 6 says, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And over and over in many places, why so downcast my soul? Get your act together. Put your hope in God. You know who he is. Don't you start doubting now. I fasted. I run long distances. I constantly have to tell my flesh to be quiet and behave. And we all have to learn to do that. And I can't be on a long run and say, honey, will you send my flesh a text and tell them we're going to make it? I, on a fast, I don't need Candace going, 
oh, it's going to be okay. No, I'm hungry. Chuck Ramsey has to rise up and take authority over his flesh and say, it's just a few days you're going to make it. Are y'all allowed? And if, if, if somebody heard us, yes, they would call um, defects and they would report us to HR. So don't say it too loudly, but talk to yourself and learn to encourage yourself in the Lord. There comes a time where it's not fair to ask your wife to encourage you. It's not, it's not fitting for your husband to be your Messiah. It's not fitting for you to go, if I could just get to Pastor Chuck. I texted him two days ago. And no, there are times it's you. It's you. Encourage yourself in the Lord. How many of you have learned that discipline? How many of you want to learn that discipline? Come on, in Jesus' name. Now, Derek and Shannon Williams in their story about how they impossibly conceived. Somebody, I just feel the Holy Spirit just going, ding, ding, ding. Just a minute ago, I heard the Holy Spirit go, somebody this morning is going to this day start in learning how to encourage themselves in the Lord. And it's going to be a game changer. I just heard, some, I just heard the Holy Spirit say, there's somebody here this morning. I don't know who you are, but you've been trying to conceive, and it seems impossible. And this story is for you need to put God's word on little post-it pads everywhere. Your screensaver needs to be, he's the God of the impossible. You need to start learning how to encourage yourself. Are y'all out there this morning? Woo! I feel life coming up in this place. Hallelujah. Derek and Shannon Williams were thrilled when they learned a baby was on the way. But then everything went wrong. Shannon nearly miscarried, and she spent 96 days on bed rest. At the hospital's, at the hospital, doctors came in regularly with bad reports. One doctor told her, please don't get your hopes up high. I doubt if your baby will live for a week after he is born, quote. They told her the little boy would never breathe on his own. So they named the little baby boy Emmanuel. He weighed in at two pounds and 13 ounces at birth. And he was diagnosed with autism at birth. And she said, each and every day, hear me, I had to encourage myself in the Lord. Shannon recalled in her book, in fact, I had encouraging and applicable Bible scriptures taped all over my hospital walls. I would read them, quote them, confess them several times a day. The Bible was literally my life source. It gave me life when I was surrounded by death. It sustained me and protected me from the lies, the tricks, and the snares of the devil. We need to practice this this morning. We need to even right now speak to ourselves. Sometimes on Sunday morning, when you're flying from the West Coast, you didn't lose one. You didn't spring forward one stinking hour. You just sprung forward four stinking hours. And I woke up at 5 o'clock, and it took me a while to get my body out of bed. But this, and I, honestly, I'm telling you the truth. I go downstairs. Nobody in the barn is awake, and those three dogs become my first audience. You'd think I'm crazy. And I look at Lincoln and Reagan, and I go, and the little rescue dog. And I say, this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Are y'all with me? And I start, I, I get in gear. 
I'm not kidding you on that cold concrete floor in our barn. And here, and my flesh starts waking up. And I go over there and I sit, I, I'm telling you, I sit down and I start praying and looking over my notes and seeing some of your faces. And I realize how important this time is. If I could help you do one thing this morning, it's so that you will never fall away is to learn how to encourage yourself in the Lord. Anybody feeling bigger right now? Come on. You and God are no match for the enemy. He has no chance. Hallelujah. I got to move on. Number three, and finally, this is where somebody else, you need to hear me. How do you keep from falling away in a season where it seems like everybody is falling away. People you never thought would fall away. Whoever thought Ravi Zacharias? Whoever thought and name the few years ago at the Ark Conference, seven sharp young pastors. They do this seven and seven. It's real, they're planning hundreds of churches around the country. One of them, I recommended my son in Chattanooga. Brandon and Bethany were driving all the way here looking for a Bible-preaching church. And I know there's a bunch in Chattanooga. But I said, buddy, you can't get involved here. And they were like, you're right. we got to find a church in Chattanooga. And so I found one. And it was a guy that I heard at the art conference. And it was a young, sharp pastor. And he was, they preached for seven minutes, hand the mic. And it was just so powerful sharing what God has done. And this is just three years ago, seven of them, gifted pastors in that movement, five of them, five have fallen, including the one in Chattanooga. It's heartbreaking. God help us in this season. So Brandon, son, you got to exercise yourself. You've got to, you've got to stay strong. If you want to stay confident, strong in your faith, it is important that you Keep working out. Keep growing in your faith. And that requires exercise. In the Business Insider magazine, there's an article on LeBron James. Listen to this. He spends $1.5 million each year caring for his body. $1.5 million. Yeah. LeBron keeps his home gym updated. He's said to have replicated the Miami Heat gym in his own home. Then the Cleveland... Cavaliers gym and now out in LA he has the Staples Center gym replicated in his house it's tough being LeBron James only having a 1.5 million dollars to keep yourself in shape but somehow he does it he has a cryo chamber in his home MJ never cried in a chamber at home but LeBron he whines everywhere a cryo chamber. How many of you know MJ? No, I'm just don't. In a cryo chamber, which uses liquid nitrogen to give him something akin to an ice bath. He also has a hyperbaric chamber that puts more oxygen in his body. He doesn't hesitate to hire and pay for the best trainers, massage therapists, and chefs in the world. He eats only the best and healthiest foods, and he, invents, and he invests in his compression gear to wear on airplanes. He spares no expense to keep his body working like a slick machine. And if a basketball player 
can stay that focused on keeping his aging body in shape, shouldn't you and I be pretty passionate about our own spiritual condition? I'm going to wait for an amen. Yes, we should, Pastor Chuck. Thank you for reminding us. Because Paul told young Timothy in 1 Timothy 4, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, and it is, and I do it. We're the temple of God, and we should keep our bodies in decent shape as best we can. But Paul says training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Hear me, brothers and sisters. Stagnant faith, just going through the motions, is the devil's playground. And more belie- it's, it's more common for people to just maintain spiritually than to intentionally develop strength. And that's a problem. Allowing our spiritual muscles to atrophy makes us vulnerable to the conditions that we are seeing in this world. And we'll see more and more. And if we don't get intentional about being strong, we're going to see some of the people we never thought would fall away. We'll see them fall away. How many of you just in Jesus' name, not in this house? We're a different breed. We like to work out. We like to sweat for Jesus. We love the word of God. We allow our pastor to preach straight, true, bold messages because we know that's what we need. Amen? Come on, somebody. I'm coming to a close. The Apostle Peter said, So dear brothers and sisters, work hard to prove that you really are among those God has called and chosen. Do these things, look what he says, and you will never fall away. What things, Peter? These things refer to the things listed in the earlier verses of this passage. Verses 5, 6, and 7. These things are continue to grow in faith, virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Do these things, and Peter says, you will never fall away. Oh, praise the Lord. Now, i got to bring this to a close, and we've got time this morning. This is your lucky day. We sprung forward an hour and gained 15 minutes. Pastor Chuck at 1014 is coming in for a landing. It, we have no idea if he'll land by 1030, but he started the landing early. I, I, I want to, this is so practical. This is that. We're in what appears to be a great falling away. It's tragic. But the word of God teaches us how to avoid ever falling away. The word of God teaches us that we can be rooted in the word. And we'll survive every storm. Everybody listen. There's prophetic unction on this. I don't know what's going to happen. I tell you that almost every week. But I tell you also, I I don't know what's going to happen. But I know what God's told me to tell you. And this morning, I'm telling you what he's told me to tell you. You make sure you're that fourth, in that fourth category in Luke chapter 8. Oh God, prepare my, prepare my heart. May it be soft and supple. May there be nutrients in there that go, yes, I love the word of God. Yesterday morning, one of the questions we asked with the men, and we, we made the whole group, 125 or whatever it was, one big small group. I said, close the doors. What happens at Iron Man breakfast stays at Iron Man breakfast. 
and we got real with each other. And we, I just asked, what's the one thing you've learned that's the secret to you being strong spiritually? And to hear the answers was beautiful. More than once or twice, it was men going, I've learned to value the word of God. It was men going, I've learned to live in the strength of the Holy Spirit. And it was rich yesterday morning. And this morning, I want to close with this. And I believe it's a subject that you, you need to embrace. Jude is the shortest book in the Bible. One chapter, 24 verses, right before the book of Revelation. It's 24 power pack. If we had time this morning, I even thought earlier this week, we may just read it in closing. Hear me. I, I dare you, I'm going to do it this week again. I'm going to read those 24 verses every day this week. It'll be food for your soul. I encourage you to do it. It's not hard to understand. I think it's, God knew Revelation was coming. He was like, ah, oh, let's just give him a little easy book here. It's short and it's easy to understand. And it's practical. But it's at a time that's critical. A small one-chapter epistle. And it's all about, listen, the dangers of false teachers and the temptation to fall away. Reading Jude can help us when facing the kind of pressure we're seeing with vaccines and pandemics and government, tyrannical threats. Reading Jude can help you. He wrote to Christians who were experiencing intense pressure, who were facing extreme persecution, and they were also dealing with heresies of false teaching, selfish, self-consumed pastors, preachers, spiritual leaders who were trying to profit off the ministry. Most of the influ influential leaders of the early church, by the time Judah, a Judas, Judas, Jude, Jude, writes this book, many of the influential leaders have already been martyred. Peter, Paul, James. And that was impacting those believers mentally, emotionally, and spiritually. And it left them, both the churches and the individual Christians, vulnerable. Two verses near the end of that single chapter are power-packed with advice on how to remain committed to Christ during a time of increased falling away. Look what verse 20 and 21 says. Jude, he says, But you, dear friends, must build each other up in your most holy faith. How? Pray in the power of the Holy Spirit. In this way, you will keep yourselves safe in God's love. You must build yourself up build each you must get engaged get in the game build each other up by praying in the power of the holy spirit i don't have a lot of time to talk about that but if you've been here on tuesday nights i often tell people we're not praying to impress each other we're not praying from memory we're not going to use king james language we ask holy spirit begin to lead us begin to pray help us to know how to pray I think Jude is also not just saying, I want to get in the spirit when I pray. I think Jude is also referring to the gift of the heavenly language. Because there's Paul 
in the earlier book in Corinthians says, when you do that, you edify yourself. It's not you make yourself like, it's like going to the gym. It's like working out. You make yourself stronger. And I want to encourage you. This is, listen, how, how healthy is the soil of your heart? Is there something in your heart right now that's rocky toward, ah, you guys, you always go prayer language. You always go Holy Spirit. The Bible always goes Holy Spirit. That's right. You wouldn't even know Jesus if the Holy Spirit hadn't moved in your life. And you get to know him more and more as you say, keep moving. Those that Alistair McGrath says, Pentecostal spirit-filled churches are going to be the only ones left in America. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's a really smart guy saying, here's what he's already seeing. This is what happened in Europe. In Europe right now, the denominational traditional churches... They have big old buildings and millions of dollars in the bank with 13 people sitting in a 1,500-seat sanctuary. And the spirit-filled churches are meeting in hotels and they're renting buildings and they're growing like crazy in Europe. Mm. And I say to you, brothers and sisters, in the midst of this, this is that, that falling away. Will you say, Holy Spirit, I want everything you want me to have. I'm not holding anything back, so don't you hold anything back. Are y'all out there this morning? Now, in closing, Jude was speaking to Christians, church folks, and he says, you must keep yourself safe in God's love. Paul told Timothy, train yourself. 1 Samuel says, David encouraged himself. Paul said that a man should examine himself. Christianity is an individual experience that is lived out in community. Your walk with God is not static. You are either growing in him or you are beginning to grow cold toward him. Now I want to ask you this morning, just before, I want you to read this verse with me and I want you to just Get ready, take a deep breath, and then we're going to make a commitment at the end of this verse. I love what, how Jude closes out this simple book, this simple chapter. Read it with me. Now, all glory to God, who is able to keep you from falling away and will bring you with great joy into his glorious presence without a single fault. All, come on. All glory to him who alone is God, our Savior through Jesus Christ our Lord. Come on. All glory, majesty, power, and authority are his before all time and in the presence and beyond all time. Amen. Amen. We praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. I want you to... I want to ask you to do something. If you're here this morning and you go, Pastor Chuck, uh, I'm not, I don't remember my spiritual birth date. And I'm not saying you're not saved. But if you're here going, it happens to me oftentimes, the word gets planted and before I get in the car, getting the kids from the second building, I can't even remember the sermon. Or I remember it, but it just, it's stuffed so far down. 
the enemy just wreaks havoc. If you're here this morning, you're going, I I don't know, I don't know. Maybe you're going, I know, I'm not a believer. I want you this morning to slam that door shut. And before you leave here, I want you on the first page of your Bible, put March 13, 2022, my birth date. And you can remind yourself, it's sealed, it's done. If you're here this morning and you have any doubt, and I'm not trying to create doubt, but you go, I just, I want to make sure, I want to make sure I have a real authentic faith. I want you to stand in Jesus' name. Just stand right now in Jesus' name. God bless you. Anybody else? Praise you, Lord. If you'll just remain standing. The second I want to ask, is there anybody here who... You try and you want, but you, you can't get rooted. There's just stuff, bitterness, unforgiveness, past memories. And it's just, oh, I just can't get rooted. There, there's rocks. I need God to help me. I want you to just stand. Would you stand if that's you? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Now, thirdly, if you're here and you go, I'm growing, but I just get choked out. It's the cares of this life. It's the riches of, it's the pleasure of the, and I lose my focus and I get distracted. If that's you, I want you to stand. Come on. And listen, I'm going to wait. Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit, speak to our hearts. May we get real and honest before you in the name of Jesus. Come on, if cares of this life distractions, pleasures of this life keep robbing you from getting rooted in the word. Come on, stand in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you. God bless you. God, as you, you say, Pastor Chuck, why do, why, do you, why do I have to stand? Why can't I just agree with you? Because you need to activate your faith. Yeah. And this is, as I said last week, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled arm, do you want to be made whole? That's a dumb question. Unless you've seen a lot of people who they really don't want to be made whole. They really don't want to be rooted. Jesus said, stretch out that hand. And it will do two things. It will activate your faith. And everybody that sees what I'm doing in your life, it will bring faith to them. That's why we're standing. We're taking the first step. And now everybody sees what God's going to do in your life. Now, I want to ask the, the, the rest of you who go, you know what? I'm good soil, and his word is producing a hundred times over in my life. I want you to stand right now in Jesus' name. Now, if you're not standing, we have a counselor that is available Monday through Friday this week. You should be standing at one of these times right now. Now, I just want to pray over you. Father, I pray first for this sweet woman who has stood and said, I'm going to make sure that today is my spiritual birthday. I praise you, Father, that you are revealing yourself to her in Jesus' name. And I want everybody to pray this prayer with this woman. I think there was another person in the balcony that stood. I want us to say this together. Everybody say, Lord Jesus, I come to you. I need you. I want you in my life. I surrender my life to you. Please reveal yourself to me. Forgive me of my sins. Set me free. I believe that you are the Son of God.
you died for me. You were buried and resurrected on the third day. Come on, say it. Buried and resurrected. I place all my hope and faith in you. Be my Savior and be my Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Come on, amen. Amen. Praise your name, Father. Now, in the name of Jesus, just Holy Spirit, seal your word right now. Do Ephesians 1.14. Seal us by your spirit. If you stood and you said, there's rocks, there's weeds, I just pray in the name of Jesus for Holy Spirit clarity. I pray that you will begin to go, okay, Holy Spirit, teach me how to pray according to Jude 20 and 21 so that I can build myself up and I will never be in danger of falling away. Father, in the name of Jesus, would you just hold your hands out if you're comfortable just as, as, you're, as if God is about to give you something and you're about to take it from him. Holy Spirit, as we sang earlier, set us afire, Lord. Set us afire, Lord. Breathe upon us the, the Ruach, the breath of God, your Holy Spirit alive in us. Give us revelation. Give us eyesight to see what you're doing in the earth. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us, Lord. Oh, I just praise you. I just remind you, Corinthians 2 says, No eye has seen. No, it hasn't entered the heart of man. No mind has conceived what God has prepared for those of you who love him. Very next verse, verse 10. But he has revealed it to us by his spirit. That's why you need the Holy Spirit. Would you just say this with me? Say, Lord Jesus, fill me with your spirit. Fill me up. Overflow me with your spirit. That you might use me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give God praise this morning for his word? Come on, lift up a shout unto God. We praise you, Lord. We love you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. I pray as you lead this morning, don't forget that there are people groups tonight all over North Atlanta and many, many good groups conveniently located. You can't live this faith life alone. You need to be connected. Every one of our groups is a group my wife and I would go to. They're good. We spend time training, pouring into them. And so if you're not in a small group, you need to get into one this afternoon. All right? May the Lord bless you. I'm going to say this from my heart. This is his word, number six. May he bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May he lift up his countenance on you and give you peace that you'll never fall away in Jesus' name. Come on, say it out loud. I receive it in Jesus' name. I love you all. Have a great afternoon.